Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America. And we are here today to talk about preparing for 2023 by understanding what the scriptures say about dwelling in God's house and what that actually means and how it can make a difference. And before we jump into that, before I introduce my guest, I want to just highlight the need for everyone to go and subscribe to Forerunners of America at Rumble, because we don't know how much longer we're going to be at YouTube. So if one day I'm suddenly not here and Insights is suddenly not at YouTube, we're at Rumble. So just go there and type in Forerunners of America, all one word, and you can um, and you can subscribe to our channel there. Well, we are going to be looking at here preparing for 2023 and this idea of dwelling in God's house. And to help unpack this whole uh, topic with me today is David Smithers from Southern California. And David is a pastor, a Christian leader in different circles and realms. And I'm just so grateful, David, that you could join us today. Yeah, it's great to be here, Dave. Okay, so David, how did you even get into this topic uh, of wanting to emphasize or focus on this in terms of dwelling in God's house? Well, I think like a lot of us this last couple of years, we've been reflecting on on just trusting the Lord, God's provision, God's protection um, for my family, for my individual life, for my ministry, our friends, and and so I, I like a lot of people, uh, many old saints of the past found my way back to Psalms 91, really to meditate on the depth of the promises there. I mean, it's such a powerful psalm. And um, and so I, I realized that my faith was not <laughs> hadn't caught up with the power and potential of this wonderful passage of scripture. And so I immediately recognized I needed to meditate on God's word. So I started to pray it every day, meditate on it. And, you know, that's basically it. It started to come alive. It started to open up. And the longer I stayed, the more I saw. And so it's kind of interesting. I was uh, encouraged so much, not only by the topic of Psalms 91, the importance of dwelling with God, but on the importance of meditating on God's word. Amen. So, yeah. So, um, there's a, a lot going on here as we're going to unpack this. And I look forward to talking about, you know, why is this so important? But before we get into that, what exactly does this mean? Because it's not exactly a common phrase like dwell. Yeah, well, a theme for a while with me has been the importance of waiting on God. I think it's something that our our culture, society, the church has moved away from. We're so fast moving, so distracted, so busy. And I started already recognizing my need to slow down and, and wait on the Lord. In fact, I would say that was one of the things God was trying to speak to us as believers during the pandemic. You know, we always said, what would I do if I ever had enough time? And there are all these things on our list. And well, we got the opportunity, a lot of us, I'm not sure we took advantage of it, but I saw that God was underscoring this need to wait. So um, as I started to look at this passage, I recognized that this exhortation to dwell in the secret place was, or to make a dwelling place, was um, a, a call to to wait on him. 
and to slow down. But um, like you said, the term dwell is not one we go to in modern vernacular. It's not a, a, a contemporary expression. And so I was going, how would I say that? How would help it, this word stick to me a little bit more, resonate in my faith? And so I stay came to mind. You know, um, he who stays in the secret place of, of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. So, or um, verse, verse 10, because you have made the Lord your staying place, uh, no evil would befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. You know, this is not exactly the expression that I would go to immediately, but it made sense. This importance of staying with the Lord or waiting on God. I think it actually opens up the whole understanding of what it means to wait on the Lord also, Dave. Hmm. Yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit more in terms of, so we're going to be waiting and we're going to be staying. I, I mean, I almost hear you saying like, uh, we're going to be alone with the Lord. We're going to feel great about it. Hopefully he'll be in that secret place with us. And is that, is that it? I mean, is that, is that the end game here in terms of us uh, waiting on him? I, I heard a quote by Corey Tim Boom not too long ago. She said before um, prayer was this fascinating uh, vehicle by which we moved from a place where we couldn't do anything into a realm where suddenly all things were possible. You know, one moment we, we're just so inept, so incapable in, to deal with what's going on in our life. But by faith, calling upon the Lord, we enter into this other realm and faith changes everything. And suddenly we can we have operate in spiritual authority. We have the benefits, the answer. And um, I was starting to recognize as I took more time with this psalm that that was beginning to happen. That these things listed in Psalms 91 were starting to, one of the benefits of waiting, staying in God's presence is that our faith gets the chance to catch up with the promise or to wake up to the fullness of God's promise. But honestly, that takes time. Not for God. He's ready and willing and able right now. It takes time for us. Because maybe bad belief systems, maybe hurt feelings, offenses, who knows what, that has crippled our faith. But as we spend more time in God's presence, our faith catches up. And then our the promise kind of wakes up in our life. Does that make sense? So Yeah, ab absolutely. We're in the secret place for a transformation. Like there's something exactly that happens right. in us. Now... Just to turn a little bit here, you're talking about all these benefits in Psalm 91. What are these benefits? Okay, so I, after I started to look at it this way, I was, okay, I'm going to stay in the secret place. And suddenly my faith starts to warm up, wake up to the fullness of the promise that is outlined here. I started to um, catalog some of the benefits, and I recognized they were really coming true in my life the more I spent time with God in his word and in in the prayer closet. Um, 
So we have, you know, you're you're dwelling in the secret place and suddenly you're brought in under the shadow of the almighty, which is close to God's heart, close to him. For you to be in someone's shadow, you have to be close to them, right? Just to stay right there close to him. And then verse two says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And I did recognize as I, the more I spent time in the prayer closet, my language, my confession began to change. Where I first initially came into the prayer closet a bit discouraged, worrying out loud, suddenly as I stayed longer in God's presence and, and just soaked up um, his love, I began the how I talked in the prayer closet was beginning to change, how I prayed, how I looked at things. So suddenly my declaration is, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Then we jump down to verse three and in the prayer closet, in the under the shadow of the almighty, suddenly um, deliverance starts to catch up with us. God's delivering power. It says, uh, surely, surely, definitely, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from perilous pestilence. Boy, who doesn't need the power of that promise in the day in which we've been living? Amen. And with things the way they look like they're changing up the road, we need God's delivering power. And not to stress, not to worry, not to, you know, mull over all of our problems with our friends. We need to retreat to the prayer closet, wait on the Lord, stay in his presence long enough until we're brought in under the shadow of his wing. And suddenly our, our perspective and the way we speak begins to change in the prayer closet and outside the prayer closet. Before you continue, I just wanted to interject there that this is so important because I think people can be thinking like, well, I'll go to the secret place. I'll hide in the shelter of the Lord. And it's almost like we're just after this wrinkle-free life and we're just going to have this good feeling and this is what we're after. But actually what David is highlighting here is the most catastrophic things can come before you, to you in terms of, you know, what David's talking about. I'm sure you'll get, you'll get there, but you just highlighted the pestilence and being, being caught by the fowler or somebody that's tra trying to trap you. David's saying being in God's uh, uh, secret place, the, the the shelter of the Most High, this is making real world practical totally. changes. Totally, my uh, my attitude, my perspective, my hope. God, God was just changing me from the inside out, though my circumstances weren't always immediately changed, right? As many of us learned the last couple of years. But one day I came in, you know, I, I what I'd done for months as I'd laid my Bible in this one place in my study. Oh, you know, I have two Bibles like a lot of us do. One of them was just positioned there open to this passage. And I, and I would just, and when I would spend time with the Lord, I would go and begin to read again. And then one morning, this verse really jumped off the page. And that is verse four. He shall cover you with your, with his feathers. But what stuck out to me was that he shall cover you. He shall cover you, that the Lord will cover us. And I recognized in a moment that I felt vulnerable in that season. I felt a little bit naked, uncovered, exposed. 
And I needed the covering of the Lord. And this was a promise to me. I heard the Spirit of God. He just make this alive to the Scripture to my heart. He will cover me. And I just prayed it and prayed it and prayed it. He shall cover me. He shall cover me. He shall cover you. Amen? So if you so feel, was, feel vulnerable about anything going on in your life, or really what's right. going on in the world today, if you personally feel a vulnerable or even threatened we can say he's literally got us covered. Amen. Amen. So I could go from a place of feeling very uncovered, very vulnerable, um, you know, worried about different problems, but I was finding I'm I would taking time, staying in the secret place long enough. You know, you know, the truth is it is, you guys, you know, Dave, excuse me. Um we live with a foot in both worlds, don't we? We're living a we're a spiritual person that lives in a physical body that's touched by our physical circumstances all the time. And so we're called to walk by faith and not by sight, but depending on how little or how much time we spend in the presence of God in the secret place may determine where we live most, where we walk most. And hmm. so if you are skimping by on the secret place, not staying there, then you're the the thing that's most alive, most impactful on your life is what you see, what you feel, what you experience around you. Amen. And so I was recognizing in this crazy world that we've been in the last couple of years, the physical world, the inroads it had through media and everything else was pulling on me so hard. I needed more time in the secret place to tune my heart to heaven because the loudest voice a lot of times was all the stuff around me. And so, but as I did that, I found myself slipping into the God's presence, taking more time in the quiet place. And then I was hearing him say this over me. I will cover you. You are covered. You are covered. Mm. Amen. That's a, such a good word for any season in our, our lives. But I, again, I just think of what could be ahead this coming year. It's like, yes. it's so important. We're in this rhythm of the secret place in the shelter of the most high, a dwelling in the house of God, as it says in Psalm 27. But anyway, keep, keep going. Yeah. So he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings, he shall take refuge. So the analogy of a mother hen and the, her babes are there. Uh, but Again, what jumped off the page to me is that he would cover me. Amen. And and now the verse five, I remember uh, a little later on in the week, then reading again through the psalm. But here another verse jumped off the page. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid. And so I'm going, Lord, I um, I recognize that there is some trepidation within me, some insecurity in my mind, my heart, and I need more time in the secret place. As I begin to spend more time in the secret place, I, I heard this declaration over my life. It was a, a command of sorts. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid. And I started to agree with that. And then suddenly my attitude, my spirit began to brighten and, and my, you know, things begin to change. 
So I, I think, you know, Dave, this is where we all are at one time or another. You know, something hits us hard, kind of knocks us down, leaves us spinning. Maybe you get, you know, sometimes you can get a somewhat of a spiritual concussion. You get hit and then suddenly you can't even remember all those good things that God was saying. And you need to get back into the secret place, take some time to get along with the Lord and let him declare it again. Let the word of God come to life again. You shall not be afraid. But what was interesting here is you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, the things you can't see. Boy, if this didn't describe what was going on through the pandemic and all that stuff for a while and our political scene, all these things that we don't, can't even retrace the source of these things, right? You shall not be afraid by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. It didn't matter which way it was coming at you. If you could see it or not see it, we could take to heart the exhortation that we shall not be afraid. In verse 6, it says, nor of the pestilence that walks by in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. And what's so interesting, it doesn't matter how it comes at you or how near it comes to you. Um, if your closest friends are affected, this is the, not the standard by which we, you know, establish our faith with the Lord. Amen. Is Sometimes I think this is what's happened with some through the last couple of years with the pandemic and other issues going on, sickness and trials and trouble. Sometimes it comes near us in a family member or some associate that we know, somebody that we've been close to. And then the enemy tries to find an inroad into our heart that way to bring dread and, and fear that, oh, no, it's going to happen to me next. Or something, you know, somebody's, uh, you know, bank account is impacted radically and we're worried about our financial situation. Right. right. So, the, you know, that's actually that kind of realm in America. That's actually what where my mind often goes to is what if there is a greater economic crisis? I right. don't think what we experienced during COVID was really the greatest economic crisis we're going to experience or even back in 08 and 09 and all that. Um, it's like, are we in this place with God where we feel secure? We know that, as you said a moment ago, he's got us covered. He makes real life, real time uh, changes. His intervention is real. That's and right. Maybe even dialing back a bit from a, a, a broad economic crisis. What if we just have further supply chain issues? I mean, there's stuff here that, you know, we've had shakings, um, but I believe there's going to be greater shakings ahead, whether it's these things or something we just have completely uh, not even uh, uh, foreseen at all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what I was so challenged by was I was going, boy, there is so much power in, in promised in this um, psalm. And um, I need to tap into God's provision is the who whose problem is it is it god's deal or is it my issue my responsibility to look at this a little closer and i i found that oftentimes this psalm is explained away and the 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 pressure is shifted on the lord and i realized that my faith there was a gap in my faith between what the lord was promising me here as a believer 
in Jesus and where I was really at. And so that called me back to the prayer closet to take more time to, to, to stay a little bit longer till something, my faith was transformed in a way that it could reach out and lay hold of this promise. Amen. And so, um, you know, I think we're living in such days, it's time to quit blaming God, quit blaming some other theological system for why our needs aren't being provided. I'm not saying that we will never go through challenges by no means, but at the same time, I think there's much more resources and promises available to provide for us than we're taking advantage of. And the gap is oftentimes in our prayer life, in the amount of time that we're willing to stay in the closet. And so that's so, where it's so going. wait a second, David. I, yeah, yeah. I can't let that one go because Jesus himself affirms what you're talking about right here. This is so vital. And so um just want to just mention at least that in Matthew chapter six, verse six, this specific thing is is stressed, emphasized by Jesus himself. And it says this. Pray, or uh, let me start at the beginning of verse six, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And many of the rewards we're talking about, here's what you just went over in Psalm 91. And I know there's more to come, but the point being is that Jesus, I believe is trying to take us even further in some ways, or at least put a, a, a major emphasis on these truths from Psalm 91. Amen. Amen. And this is what the psalmist here in verse 9 underscores. Verse 9, he says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place or your staying place, is how I started to read it. Mm -hmm. Have you made the Lord your staying place, the place that you retreat to, the place that you spend time with. And there is a bit of a construction of a, a dwelling place, a staying place in the Lord. You know, some, the Lord is available and ready, just full of promises of provision and blessing and comfort and encouragement. But when we don't take the time to spend with Jesus, to spend uh, with the Lord daily, then we're not erecting a dwelling place, if you will. We're not, uh, we don't create a habit, a rhythm, a prayer that makes our faith easy to engage what God has already promised in his word. And okay, so, David, so I've known you for a long time and you basically just in passing just now, you basically just described what I think most of us already have a daily time with the Lord, a devotional time. Some of us call it a quiet time, whatever. But to me here, you're explain this a little bit more because I don't think you're just telling us to keep doing what we've already been doing. I think you're calling us to something deeper. Like how do, would you see this as different from maybe what you were doing prior to when God opened your eyes with Psalm right, 91? Right. I mean, I've, I've always, um, I've always had felt drawn to have a, a, a regular time of prayer, you know, as the scripture encourages us and, you know, Jesus says in this manner, pray, you know, um, give us this day our daily bread. Obviously, it's a daily uh, need, right, that each of us should have. But so often, this is one of those areas where many, many believers still struggle to maintain and sustain a, a regular prayer time. But I've come to places throughout my Christian life in the last, you know, 40 years and where 
uh, the Lord would say, David, I want to do something more. I just had this impression by the Holy Spirit, but you're going to have to take a little more time, spend a little more time in my presence so I can, can so I can adjust your faith and activate something. And so I do think um, there's been little thresholds of prayer that bumped up. I had to, I had to get uh, make myself available in a greater way. And so my prayer life is something that I always want to see growing as my faith grows and as um, the demands on my life grow. Amen. So, so so there's a couple ways that I think we can end up in the, the ditch where we're not exactly in line with what you're doing. And I'm just going to share a couple that are part of my past, my history. Um, I'm, I'm not laughing a little bit here because, um, because I think it's funny. I'm laughing because, um, uh, if I don't laugh, I'll cry or I'll look back on my life and just go, really? I didn't, couldn't figure this out. But here's one area where, you know, I just feel like I can end up on the ditch is I'm studying the Bible or reading Christian authors or taking in more information. And it all becomes about, about learning and education and so forth. Now there is validity to that. Of course, we want to renew our minds, right. as Paul said, and we have to be devouring the scriptures and studying and, and these kind kinds of things. But it, it kind of, I guess for me at times, it just was there. It was just sort of like a a, a mental exercise. I would suggest very different from what you're describing today, where you're yeah. literally in his presence. You're, you're, how you phrased it earlier is about your your faith is coming alive in his presence. Right. I might include in that, then your doubts are going away. I love that being in, in God's presence and the, the right. shelter of the most high, because because doubts are, are alleviated and, and faith increases. But the, another area too would be the um, is that I become so busy, like doing the work of God. So between studying God as if He's in a petri dish or something like that, and then doing the work of God, it's just like you can end up being just so withered in your soul. And then maybe circling back to what you were talking about, you kind of become vulnerable because yeah, I'm busy, and yeah, maybe I even know a lot because I studied some topic. But you know what? It's different than being in the shelter of the Most High, dwelling mm -hmm. in the house of God that David did cry out about. Amen, amen. And I, I do think, you know, I, I mean, probably like a lot of us, I, I found myself praying more about <clears throat> the heart to pray than how to pray. Um, you know, just because none of us want this to be a formality, you don't want it to just to be knee drills, if you will. Um, you know, some dry exercise. Uh, it, we rec we know that there's in and of itself just some dry discipline isn't going to benefit us, though there is a commitment and discipline involved. But, uh, you know, a discipline of prayer, but we want it to be vibrant. We want it to be alive. And and so I think we watch over our heart and we keep in. So I find myself praying as much about my heart that it's, you know, genuine and attached. And it's uh, a real uh, relationship with the Lord, not just some discipline. So, the, so in Pro Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all. Yeah. It actually says that above all. Guard your hearts, for your heart is the wellspring. There's that vibrancy you're talking about, David. Your your heart is the wellspring of life. There should be something coming forth that looks like the streams of living water that Jesus promised every believer, or these kinds of things. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, 
I agree. I, what comes to my mind is in John 1, you'll remember the time where um, uh, John the Baptist pointed out to some of his disciples, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And these disciples then followed Jesus and he turned around in Psalms, I think it is chapter 1, verse 35 around there. And he says, what are you seeking? And they said, Lord, where are you staying? And here's our word again, staying. And he says, come see. And he says, they went and stayed and remained with him. It's so interesting to me that they they could have as easily said, where are you going? But they said, where are you staying? And as I was meditating on this little verse that always just kind of nudged me towards the direction of friendship with the Lord, to stay with him, to be with him to spend time with him regularly that, you know, some people go where they want to go where God's going, but then some of us put a little bit of an asterisk or emphasis on the staying where Jesus is staying. Yeah, man. You see where I'm, uh, where both, both are important. They sure are. They are. But I find a lot of people that are going aren't necessarily staying. Though when you really stay in step with the Spirit of God, you will ultimately go where he's going. Amen? So I I do think this is part of our heart that we're trying to learn how to watch over is, God, I want to stay in step with you. You know, um, I want to go where you go. I want to be where where you are. You know, all of this same kind of spirit and attitude. So, um, So, David, anything else in Psalm 91? Yes. Uh, Psalms 9, again, I'm just uh, 91 verse 9. I'll repeat that. Because you made the Lord your staying place, your dwelling place. Wow, what a promise. No evil shall befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. Mm. And this is one that comes to mind, I think, among so many over the last couple of years, as there was all this talk of sickness and viruses and disease and you know, uh, in this crazy world is, Lord, I need that kind of protection for my life. I need that kind of protection for my family, for our our, our fellowship, for the people in my life. And um, and so um, I found, just found myself, I need to know how to apply that word. Lord, teach me. Help my faith catch up with the depth of that promise. Help me quit uh, explaining that away, why that isn't for me. You know, um, some have said that this psalm isn't actually for your everyday believer. And um, I was encouraged not too long ago, I was reflecting on uh, Charles Spurgeon's great commentary set uh, called A Treasury of David. And he unpacks this very verse in Psalms 91 and mentions a time in London where there was a plague that was sweeping across the city, and he was going from house to house as a pastor ministering to the sick, and he began to come down with certain symptoms, and he was very aware of this and a little bit fearful for his own condition. And in a shopkeeper's window, this passage, Psalms 91, verse 9, was posted. No evil will befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. And he said that as he read it, it leapt in his heart and the symptoms began to subside and he never had any trouble with the plague of that those that were he was ministering to were suffering from. And he went on to say that this psalm 
This promise is not for everyone. Not everyone can claim this. Only those who take the time to spend sustained time in God's presence. So here's a the great advocate of grace and God's uh, sovereign will, Charles Spurgeon, is sharing this in such a powerful, faith-filled way. I was greatly encouraged. Oh, absolutely. Who doesn't need to hear this in yeah. light of what's yeah. happened the last two and a half, almost three years, and and probably greater things ahead? Um, you know, the uh, the that whole area, uh, how, how often are we just going to run to other things versus the Lord in what you just mentioned about it's conditional. Spurgeon was highlighting the conditionality of this, meaning God expects us to move toward him in faith. That's right there, actually, in the first verse that you covered, David. It's like, you need to choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. This isn't for anybody. And at the beginning of COVID, that's one thing that bothered me is like people were claiming, claiming Psalm 91 as if it was just a blanket statement for any anybody in the body of Christ. It, it literally says that for those who dwell in the that's shadow right. of right. the Almighty. And this is one of the things that some people have, st- you know, stumbled over is that it, a conditional promise. They, they, they have a, they have trouble with that in our kind of our, in this day in the church with a lot of the modern, you know, pop theology that's around right now. And, you know, there are promises that clearly say that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We need to figure out how to make these promises ours. I mean, it's one thing to pray. It's another thing to receive an answer to prayer. And I think it is in this hour, our responsibility is to prove the promises of God are true. We have to apply the conditions. We have to obey the exhortation to trust the Lord. And if it's not... um, working in our life, we have to examine ourselves. Don't just shift the blame on God, that it's his sovereign timing. I mean, I just see that he's, we first must exhaust every resource available to ourselves before we would settle in on that it might not be the time for this to be answered. Amen? So um, anyway, this passage goes on, um, says, no evil shall befall you, nor any plague come near you. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. There is supernatural protection for those who, in in the prayer closet, as we spend more time with Jesus, I think you can become aware of angels, that you are being protected, that you're being uplifted, that you are being shielded. There's, you know, uh, this is a biblical concept. And then verse 13, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample them underfoot. This very much sounds like the authority that is given to all those who believe in Jesus in Mark uh, 16, verse 17. These signs will follow those who believe. Amen. So, um, so circling back on this idea of angels, you know, it's not just here in Psalm 91, but we see glimpses of this elsewhere. I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where an angel or angels, I can't remember which, but says that that these angels came and strengthened him in his time of need. Amen. Now, we might not see those angels, but 
the point is if Jesus was strengthened, and we do have a bigger theme throughout scripture that, of course, angels exist and are there as God's servants to actually serve us, which is kind of a mind blower. But the point is, is that we often can be in that that quiet place, that secret place with the Lord and feel strengthened. And it's a good point that it can be strengthened and feeling the protection of God himself, but also the the messengers or the guardian angels that he has sent on our behalf. Amen. Amen. I mean, this, this psalm is just so rich. Um, again, and there, the conditions of, of the psalm are laid out in three main verses. Verse 1, he who dwells. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. And then in verse 14, because he, because you have set his love, or he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him, and I will set him on high, because I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And again, similar language, to stay, to dwell, to set our love on him, to set our love, our affection, our worship, our devotion on him. There is a direct benefit for those who make this a, a, a practice. That's something they daily do. Amen. It's just. Um, so you know, so we, da- to going back to David, actually, in Psalm 16 this time, he says, I set the Lord continually before me. And amen. that little phrase has been very helpful to me in this whole thing that we're talking about, because we want to. Um, have him before us. It, it says that he is before us, but it's like you're saying here, there's these areas you have to choose and move into that. Hey Amen. I, I I know when I, back in high school, I used to have a friend that every time you got in his car, we you know this isn't a thing so much anymore. So maybe the younger uh, folks won't be able to track quite so easily, but he had his radio set to his favorite radio station. And anybody that got in the car, you you knew you didn't touch the radio. All right. It was set there and it was always on that one station. And I think we would it would serve us well if our heart and our mind were set in the same way on the Lord. Amen. Um, What is it? Uh, Isaiah 26, verse three. He will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is set on thee. Amen. Right. So. uh, it wasn't too, wasn't too long ago the Lord quoted that verse back to me differently. He uh, he will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is set on Thee. He I heard it as the old King James, and then it said, "And not on me." <laughs> and I, in a moment, I realized what the source of most of my problems were. Where was my mindset? Was it either on the Lord or on myself? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. We do, we make those choices that you just highlighted from Psalm 91. And again, you highlighted verse one and 14. And what was the other one? Oh, uh, it was nine. Uh, it was verse one, verse nine and verse 14. Right. So we make those choices to move toward him. Okay. And to get in that right posture. Um, and then what other thoughts do you have about going um, let's say even deeper into the secret place. Well, you know, I, I think that you know, worship is such an important piece of, you know, what do you do with yourself when you're trying to wait on the Lord? 
you know, you're, you go, okay, I know, I know I need to still my heart. I still my mind, or how do I set my mind on the Lord? You know, it's not that you're just, you know, working with a blank piece of canvas. You need to, uh, f- there are things that you focus on that really will in, in, in help your faith and give yourself a chance to really absorb more. And I believe worship is one of the most practical ways of waiting on the Lord, of staying in his presence. And so um, one thing that helped me was that these verses put the emphasis on me needing to wait on him and also me staying in his presence. Years ago, I read a little book by Andrew Murray called Waiting on God. And it was one of my first encounters to the topic. But in about halfway, it's a 31-day devotional, each uh, each day a different scripture on the benefit of waiting on God. But about halfway through that book, it got to a promise that talked about God waiting to be a blessing for us. And this was such a different thought. I think it was Isaiah 30, verse 18, that says, the Lord waits on high that he may have compassion on us. And I suddenly, I got this image of the Lord waiting on the edge of his throne, just waiting for the opportunity to pour out his blessings upon us. So this whole idea that we wait on the Lord and he is waiting to encounter us. Amen. And um, so it's a reciprocated staying. I'm waiting on the Lord. And this is also what came to life the other day. I was looking at a verse, um, Exodus uh, 25, um, eight, where it's talking about God's instructing Moses about building a sanctuary, the tabernacle, so they can worship him. But the phrasing here is very interesting to me. Exodus 28, verse eight, and it says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell or stay among them. Hmm. And I was going, wow, Lord, You want to, as much as I need to stay with you, as much as my soul benefits from dwelling with you, you desire to dwell with me. And I'll tell you what, this opens up so many doors in the prayer closet to worship, to recognize that we're encountering a God that wants to be with us. Amen. Through Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross. Every obstacle has been removed. The veil has been rent. So we have this communion, this fellowship, this connection with God. And, you know, if you dare can say it, Jesus died on the cross so we could meet him in the secret place. So we could pray, so we could meet heart to heart, face to face, and worship him there, love him and be loved by him. And so I would, it seems such a, a, a shame that so many come to Christ and then never learn how to take time and spend time daily in the prayer closet. You know, it could be that a lot of people are actually in my situation in that, you know, um, I'm looking to this coming year and really want to recalibrate um, or maybe I could say make some adjustments in light of everything that you're saying, David. You know, so it's like I've been on this journey and I'm guessing a lot of our listeners have as well. But you know what? Before we plunge into 2023, 
let's really take a look at these passages, especially Psalm 91 that you've been highlighting for me on this topic. God's been speaking to me more recently through Psalm 27. But let's take these passages and cultivate them, get them into our 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 faith, so to speak, like get them into our being as we make some adjustments here going into this coming year. And I'm so glad, David, that you highlighted Psalm 91 because it is in uh, the context, as you read it, all these distresses, major distresses, far worse than COVID, uh, you know, and other things. I mean, these are probably pestilences that had a much higher death rate than COVID when we look at Psalm 91 and, and the other aspects that you brought up that are truly threats to us. And our hearts should not fear. That's um, true. And it's not because there's nothing going on and it's like a, a, a life is just like this peaceful lake, this calm lake. No, it's in the midst of tumultuous days is the whole point of Psalm 91. And, and I would say there's some reflections of this in Psalm 27 as well. It's in the midst of all this where we're in the secret place and we're seeing the the God of the universe intervening and changing things on our behalf. Amen. Amen. And how many, you know, boy, as I, I grow in becoming a person of prayer, I mean, I find it so, so necessary to, to memorize the promises. Most all of my appeals in prayer are based on a promise. And yet sometimes the younger brothers and sisters among us do not know these promises from God's word and definitely not memorize them. But this is fuel in the prayer closet is, um, you know, you know, I've recently recently been reflecting on 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 Luke 11 verse you know, um, I think it is verse eight there, where the the surprise visitor at midnight that appeals for the bread from his his neighbor, you know, after the door has been closed, after everybody's went to bed, after any time for hope has already been passed, um, there is this this example of importunity as it's called in the king james bible and then jesus goes on do you see what he did i say ask seek knock and um jesus is encouraging us to take the promise of god and be very persistent and i'm you know the promises are what equip our persistence in prayer not to give up it, it, boy, in days like we're living now, it's so encouraging to our heart and our mind to know that this idea of importunity in prayer, persistent, tenacious, I'm not going to stop till Jesus says stop kind of prayer. Amen. It, it flows out of his, it's his idea. He's the one that invited me to do this. He's the one that encourages me and cheers me on. Yes. Ask me. Seek. Hmm. Knock. It's this growing uh, digging in prayer that just continues to take more time and space in my life. And that, and, that key teaching um, that you're hitting the, the the parable that Jesus gives is, there's, but there's an overall teaching in Luke 11 verses one through 13, and it's it's like you're saying, David. It's like a shameless boldness before right. the throne of God. Right. You know that. Well, recently, I. Uh, I think just that passage in Luke 11 kind of came alive to me a bit more 
when I took the time, I, I happened to read over it in the King James and our most of our modern translations, it just says because of his perseverance that he was heard. But in the King James, it says because of his importunity. And so I thought, I'm going to unpack that word a bit, what it means in the original language, what it means, even this old English term. And it, it literally means importunity, M without port boundaries or walls this practice of of praying without boundaries or walls no without with, without filtering yourself god That's wants to right. hear your heart he doesn't see how want to hear how eloquent you can be exactly and so it suddenly it freed me it gave me liberty to push to ask to seek to not be afraid this is what we see in um in Mark 2, when we find the four friends that carry their paralytic friend in to try to get him to Jesus, but they can't get through the door. They can't through the, get through the window. They can't get through the back door. So they they dare to hoist him up on top of the roof and tear away the roof and drop him into the presence of Jesus. Now, there's some importunity. <laughs> exactly. What boldness. I mean, you know, if anybody would have been ashamed that somebody was going to scold you and tell you stop, but they don't stop because Jesus has not told them to stop. Same thing we see in Mark 10, 46 through 52 with Bartimaeus. He begins to cry out and the disciples, it appears that they're the disciples because they warn him, shh, be quiet. But he cries out all the more. It doesn't matter if the disciples of Christ tell us to be quiet and stop praying. If Jesus has still not told us to stop, we must continue. And as a result, it says that Jesus stopped and he turned and he says, bring him here. He moved from the back of the line to the front of the line, from the bottom of the pile to the top. In a mm -hmm. moment, he had such favor that gave him the desire of his heart. Amen. And um, in the days in which we're living right now, we must, we must learn to pray in this way. Because if we're not already facing circumstances that are calling our faith to wake up and really believe God, we certainly are going to experience things in the, uh, you know, in the days ahead. Amen. It, yeah, it's absolutely. The time to learn to pray. Amen. You know, David, you keep, referring to the last two, three years and shakings, most likely from what I can see, greater shakings ahead. We need to take this to heart. We need to be spending that kind of quality time seeking God until we actually do see those differences in our, our real lives. And there's many other challenges. You know, I, I don't even just think of like national things, um, but I think about so many individual families I know where um, it used to be, you know, the thing, well, my son or daughter's gone wayward, like the prodigal son, whatever, but it's almost different like today, like the, these these pressures that are coming against us is what I'm getting at in that it's like, I hear so many times where my kids or grandkids, now they're consider considering uh, uh, getting sex reassignment surgery because of transgenderism, literally hearing this from grandparents, literally hearing uh, uh, parents not knowing what to do because their kids now are are uh, so favorable to LGBTQ or moving into that lifestyle or, or or different kinds of things like this, but even other things that are just more 
in like the, the water, so to speak, uh, of American culture. Uh, things like, um, well, my my son or daughter is really struggling with depression or anxiety or ADHD. And it just seems like just compounding. Like if we want to see real uh, life change differences in moving this key step for all of this is have I waited on the Lord Amen. in the quiet place in in the shelter of the most high as david says that he's asked the lord that he can spend all the days of his life in his house and Amen. to gaze upon his beauty is what it says and to inquire of him we have a lot of things to inquire about we want to see his beauty see our hearts lifted up and inquire of him and so david i want to uh, give you the final word here um but again i think this is such a now message as we're looking at turning the calendar from 2022. This is like, wait a second here. Uh, we probably, things are getting hot in the kitchen in terms of our nation. Uh, like I was just describing, probably even within family situations, could be other types of things. But are we going to do this? Are we going to recalibrate? Are we going to wait, intentionally wait upon him and seek him in this way? But David, go ahead and give us your final yeah. thought. Well, have we utilized all the uh, the different strategies of prayer that are available to us? Are we really taking time to spend time with Jesus, just to worship him, just to love him? Or are we just very, very busy, scattered? Do we struggle to... Uh, take spend time with the lord do we uh, is our prayer time consist of our morning commute to work while we're driving down the freeway um it, we've got to do better than this for the times in which we live the challenge is so staggering all around us the church needs to dig deep and discover another way to pray than what we have currently been utilizing amen and so um, just give prayer, give the, the, the person of Jesus in the prayer closet, the time that he deserves. Amen. I mean, it's a, it's interesting thought to know that, um, the, it's never the Lord that turns us away and say, that's enough. Now I've, I've heard enough. It, it, can anyone dare say that God actually has told them that when they spend time? No, it's always us that get weary or tired or have something on our schedule. And I get it. You know, we all have to go and do be involved in things during the day, but the Lord is just so generous with his presence. And if we will take time and get still and ask him to teach us how to do this, he will. And I think we'll be all much more encouraged and rewarded for those efforts. Amen. Well, David, I know you live this. Thanks for being on Insights today here for this podcast. I I know that you live it, and I'm encouraged because um, you have seen God intervene so many times, even recently within your lives, your life, as well as the community and the people that you're seeking God with. Maybe we can have you back sometime to talk about how do you do this with a group of people, or how can you uh, avoid pitfalls and groups and so forth. But David, I know that you're onto something huge here. Um, I've experienced experienced the benefits of this. I want to go deeper. I want to go further. There's so many other uh, aspects to this that we didn't even get to today, but I appreciate Amen. you, David, and what you helped us unpack so today. Good to be here with you, Dave. I'm I'm excited about what God's doing in His people and with this with this broadcast. What your ministry? Hey, regardless of what's coming, 
we can have confidence. Our Amen. hearts will not fear because we're going to be with Amen. the Most High through everything. And I even pray taking a great harvest and seeing great works of God in the future, in addition to those shakings that we already talked about. So, David, thank you. And thank you uh, for joining us here today on Insights. I look forward to being with you next time. Amen.